1: Duncan finds Douse. Here's the ball towards the middle and guess who? Welcome back to the A-League,
2: Adam Taggart. He marks it with a goal. It's another beautiful delivery
3: from Jacob Dowse.
4: Laws with the hitter
3: and tucked into the... have a
2: deserved lead in Wellington. It's 1-0. Arriving is Odegaard! And
5: it's from Nketiah, And there's no offside flag! And in the
4: final minute of the 90, Arsenal grab the winning goal, surely! Oh cheeky, cheeky! Oh! That is unbelievable! And who else? Alessandro Diabanti! His surname translates to Diamond in Italian, and Diamond he most certainly is. That is incredible. Yes, hello again, good to have your company for the latest edition of the Global Game on SEN, another packed show coming up between now and 11 o'clock. Simon Hill in the chair again, alongside Roy O'Donovan this evening with Alex Brosk away this week. Here's what's on our menu tonight. The halfway mark of the A League men's competition. Dwight York parts company with Macarthur and will speak to the legendary Alessandro Diamanti about that wonder goal for Western United. Former Aston Villa, Stoke, and Danish national goalkeeper Thomas Sorensen joins us to talk FA Cup memories and offer his assessment as to who might be the long-term Socceroos successor to Matt Ryan. Spencer Pryor is live to chat English Premier League after Everton sack Frank Lampard. Alicia Carnavas reviews round 11 of the A-League women's as Wellington Phoenix get their first win of the campaign. And Paul Williams on whether Iraq's Golf Cup win heralds a new era for the Lions of Mesopotamia. It's all to come over the next two hours on the Global Game right here on SEN. Yeah, good to have your company for a bit of football chat for the next couple of hours. As ever, we like to hear your opinions, your thoughts. Give us a call, 1300 01 11 70. Or you can send us a text 0457 736 736. Or you can tweet us at Global SEN. And of course, as ever, we've got a double pass to the A-League men's game of your choosing for the best texter, stroke caller, stroke tweeter and one of our brand-new Global Game t-shirts as well to give away. So join the conversation, 1300-01-1170, our text line 0457-736-736, or tweet us at Global Game SEN. So, good to have Mark Thompson with us, producing for the last time tonight before Alex Molchanov returns from his holidays, and to have Roy O'Donovan live in the studio, former A-League player with the Mariners, Jets and the Roar, and now assistant coach... At Sydney Olympic. How are you, Roy? I'm fantastic. Even better for seeing you, Simon. Yeah, <laughs> likewise. Uh, was coaching the n- the next natural step for you? Ah, uh, well, look, I suppose it kind of
6: comes on you very quickly. Uh, I suppose the transition is real now. Uh, football has been my my passion, my obsession, my love for twenty odd years, and I suppose I want to pass on some of that experience now.
4: Are you going to play this I'm year as play, well? I'm to yeah.
6: play. I'm going to play. I'm going to coach. I'm going to. Talk about football. Sweep the dressing rooms. Everything. When I want to cut the oranges. <laughs> Actually, no, I, I think Laurie McKenna has most of those things covered. He does everything. So I just help Labby out and, and fill in the gaps for him as the, the head coach.
4: Great stuff. I'm sure they're delighted to have you at uh, Sydney Olympic. Now, Mark... Mark. We have to talk a bit of Scottish football, as we always do with you. You're an Inverness Kelly fan. We know that. Yes. Now, I was looking at this story of Queen's Park, who are in your team's division. Mm-hmm. They are top of the championship. This is an amazing story. They've not been in the top flight in Scotland since 1958, but they could be going back there.
3: Yeah, they absolutely could be. It's it's a bit worrying, personally, I think, <laughs> if I was a Queen's Park fan, because um, they've got new owners in. They've got lots of money being punted in. Their chairman, their their CEO is the former CEO of Hibs, and she dropped down two divisions to, to come to Queens Park. Their manager, Owen Coyle, mm. who was um, remember him? Yeah, Bolton for a while, and he played uh, manager in India for a bit. Didn't he play for Ireland? As played what? for Ireland under yeah. yeah.
6: Jack Charlton. Yeah. yeah.
3: And my only fear is it, is it sustainable? It feels a bit like Gretna when Gretna were playing in yeah. the Scottish yeah. leagues. Brooks and a lot of money in there. Who's the guy who put the money in? Yeah, and I'm not sure if it's going to be there in the end. Maybe I'm just better because Inverness are doing rubbish in the assembly.
4: Yes. Uh, interesting because they, they were the last amateur team in the senior divisions in Britain. Uh, but they went pro in 2019, didn't they? Yeah. That's been the money. After 100 and odd years, it's which is incredible. And they they play also played at Hamden. Hamden. But, but they're, they're not building, playing there at the moment.
3: They're building a second stadium next to Hamden, wow. which is mini Hamden. Mm. And that's where they're going to play.
4: Fascinating stuff. All right, let's uh, do our starter for five. This week's starter for five, thanks to Guzman y Gomez, fast food that athletes say yes to. So here we go, Roy. You get question one. The upcoming NPL New South Wales season, a longer campaign, more matches, but no finals. It's football tradition or in Australia, it's akin to sedition. Mm, Proper order
6: for me. (laughs) you win the league you win the league the best team is the most consistent team I don't get this you play 30 games you're the best team by a country mile and then all of a sudden we're going to play it off and mm. whoever finishes sixth will win the but league but this is how
4: we do things in Australia isn't it we, we just, we just <laughs> play along we just play along with it we don't agree with it Okay, so you're you're happy with the change? I'm happy because we won the we won the league last year. And it's just in New yeah. South Wales, isn't it? I don't think it's it anywhere already else. Okay. Is it?
6: I don't know. I, I don't know. Was it a part of this kind of whole transition to maybe a, a national second yeah. division? I don't know. Is that the reason why? Interesting.
4: Was, mm-hmm. uh, hope it works for football in New South Wales. Uh, question two: Mark Thompson, Frank Lampard sacked by Everton. He's definitely to blame, or the owners must bear the shame.
3: Yeah, he's definitely to blame. <laughs> <laughs> Took over Derby, made them worse. Took over Chelsea, made them worse. Took over Everton, made them worse. Wow. I mean, there's something going on there. and I, I mean, Everton are a historically good side. They put a lot of money into that team and they've only got worse.
4: What do you think, Toffees fans? Uh, send us your thoughts. 0457 736 736 is our text line. Question three, Roy. The FA Cup, the romance is still there or the Premier League means less people care?
6: Who wants romance? The glitz and the glamour of the Premier League is what it's all about. You ask any team, down the lower end of the Premier League, what's more important, staying in the division? You ask their ownership. This is sacrilege. The, it's sacrilege, but it's the truth. Money talks. You know, fans want to be in the top league. You mercenary, of, Roy O'Donovan. I, I absolutely am. <laughs> Have you seen my career list? <laughs> you played in the cup, though. I played in the cup and it was great. Honestly, very. It is very special. But uh, I just think it's, it's mattered less and less since. The early 2000s.
4: I think it's tragic that the FA Cup has lost some of its significance. Mm-hmm. I really do. Because it used to be the big day when I was growing up in the UK, you know, the whole day's programming devoted to it, BBC and yes. ITV. Yes, yes. And it was magical. And now it's sort of just tagged on at the end of the season. There's normally Premier League games played on the same day as well. Maybe should, they should
6: bring it to Australia because there was a few excited no. media folk <laughs> no. with the cup in their hands yesterday. <laughs> well, you
4: can bring the cup here, but yeah. don't bring the final right, okay, here. OK, OK, OK. That would kill the romance. Uh, question four, Mark Thompson. <laughs> Another Scottish question for you. This is a brilliant story again. West of Scotland league club Darvell won... Scottish Premier League club Aberdeen nil that happened last night the greatest cup shock ever no fear or hold my beer
3: unfortunately for me it is the greatest Scottish (laughs) cup shock ever absolutely is they are the sixth tier of Scottish football it's it's
4: ridiculous complete
3: amateurs Aberdeen they are performing horrendously at the moment I can't believe that they've not sacked their manager yet. Jim Goodwin will be sacked I fully believe but Darville shouldn't be competing against Aberdeen it's it's a catastrophe for them. Yeah. It's incredible for Darvall. don't Forget Aberdeen.
4: Darvel. So, so that t- that trumps Inverness Kelly beating Celtic all those years ago.
3: Unfortunately so. It came. It, it did get the best headline ever. There uh, we go. Here it, it comes. Super so I... Cali go Celtic are atrocious. Yeah, yeah. There we go. But I think is a bit more impressive this time.
4: Yeah, I think it is unfortunately for you. Uh, question five, Roy. Wellington Phoenix, the only club left in the A-League men's competition without a trophy. This is their year or they will fall short, I fear. They will fall short, I fear. They've been terrific, and Offie
6: deserves great credit for the players he's brought in on a tight budget. But yeah, there's a few other teams, Member City being one, that got way too much.
4: He's not sitting on the fence tonight, is he, Roy? Love it. Uh, that was this week's starter for Five, thanks to Guzman I Gomez, home of clean, healthy burritos and bowls that athletes say yes to. Uh, we always have uh, such great engagement from our listeners, and uh, tonight is no different. Uh, we've had so many texts already. Uh, one or two people, Roy, interested in our thoughts on Dwight York, of course, leaving MacArthur. Ton Moyer's... Uh, texted us in, and uh, he also says, thanks for the T-shirt. He won one last week. He says he's wearing it right now. Good on you, tomboy. Uh, And he asks, uh, thoughts on Dwight Yort leaving MacArthur? Uh, He says, contracts in the A-League are meaningless for players and managers. Dwight signed a two-year deal, and MacArthur gave him an opportunity, yet they mutually agree to part ways. What's the point of contracts? Happens all too often in this league. Well, to be fair, I mean it, it happens all over the world, exactly. not, not just in the A League. I mean yeah. this is just football, unfortunately, isn't it? Ask Fra-
6: I ask Frank Lampard; it's happened to him <laughs> as well. But, yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's the same across football. I think uh, I don't. Want, I, I think there's been a few things that come out about what York not being happy with the team. I, I, I think he was just an angry coach after a game. I think it's more he's having a falling out with the uh, upper management more than anything. Mm. Um, but um, and then there's a lot of talk after the game as well that it's going to be other. Vacancies open up and his name jumps to the top of that list as well. So it's a uh, it's interesting, really. I feel like he was doing a good job. He's won a cup. Yeah. Um, why would he walk away right now? You know. Will he? Uh, will he stay in Australia? Do you think? Yeah, I think he will. I mean, there wasn't many other people crying out to give him a job, give him an opportunity. Uh, he's come here. He's acted serious about the job. I think he's done a pretty. St- solid job they, they probably lack a striker if I'm being honest Um, but you know yeah it's a funny one it's one that I think came out of left field it wasn't expected by anybody in the A-League um, and uh, what I will say is you know it gives me Lester now a chance yeah. he's kept his kept his head down he's been a bit of quiet guy around the place and now he's got a chance to be a, a head coach maybe he wanted it for a, quite a while but hasn't got round to it yet
4: Uh, Another text we've had in, there's no name on this one. Uh, Considering the success of Macedonia Park, do we need to change our attitude towards crowd numbers, i.e. more clubs in smaller markets rather than a handful of clubs playing in overpriced cavernous city stadiums? Oh, sorry, there is a name on that. It's BT uh, in Perth. I I don't know whether HBF Park is cavernous necessarily. Mm. Uh, There are certainly some in the league that would (laughs) fit that description. But there's no doubt they've had a lot of success at Macedonia Park on the pitch. And I think the atmosphere has been... A Large part of that for Perth Glory, yeah. Well, I suppose a lot of players are kind of
6: spoiled, they're used to these big stadiums, these perfect pitches. Um, and they turn up at Macedonia Park, and it's like turning up at you know for a cup game. And Perth Glory are making it a cup game as well. But uh, I agree with you, Simon. I think uh, HBF Park, anytime I've played, there's one of the best away grounds to play at. I think the Perth fans come out in their numbers, there's 10 15,000 mm. people there, so. I think they're one of the few clubs in the A League that need a a bigger stadium, if anything. Um, But yeah, there's a few clubs really struggling this year with with crowds. I watched the. uh, I know you were at the game, Newcastle, uh, game at the weekend against Wanderers. Wanderers looked like they brought more fans than the Jets, which was a, a real shame. And there's a few clubs suffering a bit of a hangover after the World Cup as well.
4: Yeah. Uh, Mr. Hopeful from Ulladulla. <laughs> yeah. uh, in my opinion, says Mr. Hopeful, the best way for the APL to bring some positivity back to the A-League uh, is to bring the A-League to Tasmania. They could play at North Hobart Oval where Western played on the weekend. It was a gorgeous backdrop of Hobart as well. Uh, if you're listening, APL, just do it, says uh, Mr. Hopeful. Do the kids still say that, he says. Yeah. Um, do you know, I mean, it's, it's a nice little uh, venue and you He's absolutely right. The backdrop is, is sensational. Mm. Um, but it's an oval stadium, isn't it? You, yeah. you need the the fans closer to the pitch. And, and Western, as we all know, they need to play in one venue, mm-hmm. really, preferably in the west of Melbourne sooner rather than later.
6: Yes. And I suppose Tasmania, is it the kind of place that could carry their own team as well? I mean, if there was a Tasmanian team there, I mean...
4: Well, they don't have too many other sporting teams. They yeah. got the Jack Jumpers, and obviously mm-hmm. they've got the cricket there, but um, they, they don't have a, a senior uh, football team in any code. Mm-hmm. So,
6: so they're begging for someone to support. Uh, is there an opportunity there? You know, to bring yeah. them in. There's a new second division apparently going to happen. So, that would be the thing, wouldn't know? it? Really, mm-hmm. to get
4: them into a second division to start off with and engage the local interest. There's certainly a big football community in Tasmania. There's mm-hmm. no doubt uh, about that. But uh, surely they they want their own team rather than just having the odd. A uh, game that's brought in from uh, the mainland. Um, there is a big rumor, Roy, uh, that Morgan Schneiderlin is going to join Western Sydney Wanderers. That okay. would be interesting.
6: Be great. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure it's the player they need, but it's a it's a great signing. It's a, it gets the hype machine going uh, from watching them at the weekend. They need a number nine. Yeah, they need. Uh, they, they need. I don't the n- think he's number nine though, is he? Morgan that's what Schneidlin. I mean. He's, a, he's exactly. Yeah. He's, a, he's a midfield player. He's yeah. he's a big name. He's a long name, um, but. I mean, for me, they played um, Rami Nazarene and Brandon Borello up front, both good players, but not strikers. Yeah. I, this false nine, is, is, might, might as well call it no nine, no striker, and I haven't it.
4: Spoken like a true number mm. nine. Uh, okay, let's get into one of the big talking points of the weekend, and that is one of the great A-League goals scored by Alessandro Diamanti for Western United against Sydney. Oh, cheeky, cheeky! Oh! That is unbelievable! And who else? Alessandro Diamanti. His surname translates to Diamond in Italian. And Diamond he most certainly is. That is incredible. And it might just have won the points for Western United. Yes, yeah, super goal. And I'm delighted to say Alessandro joins us now on the line. Buona serata, Ali. Buonasera Simon, my friend. Ciao. <laughs> Ciao. How are you? Roy O'Donovan is here as well. Um, Ali, you've uh, you scored some bangers in your time. Is that one of the best, if not the best?
1: I don't know if it's one of the best, but it was very important for us. So, so yeah, we got three points in a very tough match, so... Yeah, it was a good goal. Yeah, it was a good goal.
4: (laughs) I think that's an understatement. It was a fantastic goal. Um, I I enjoyed your post-game interview as well. And you said, I deserve it. And you you thanked yourself. Is is that a reference to the hard work that you had to put in after your injury to come back to football?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was was only for that. Because uh, after three years, uh, during COVID, uh, I never... uh, have the the time to go in Italy after three years. I I, I spent uh, 50 days inside the clinic with the beautiful summer in Italy, but just because I want to recover. Because uh, I don't want to finish uh, my career with bad injury. It was the first, so I I was lucky. It was the first, but I wanna I wanna finish uh, like uh, like I deserve, uh, chasing a ball, uh, having the ball in my feet. Absolutely.
6: Yeah, well, Alessandro, it was a fantastic goal, and we'd love to see more of that this weekend against MacArthur. But um, how important was that win for confidence for the team now moving forward? Because obviously last season, champions. This year, a bit of a struggle. But um, yeah, moving forward, is this a a huge win for you for where you want to be?
1: No, absolutely. But, you know, when you win, uh, when you win, it's very important. It was very important because it brings enthusiasm and brings beliefs. So, we were happy after the game because we worked hard uh, during the week. time the result uh, didn't come like we wanted this year. But, you know, you know better than me. Every season is different. So, we have to, we, we don't have to think what we, we did last year. We have to think it's another season. So, we have to, we have to try our way to win again because we have uh, we have the, the strength, we have the the, the team, we have uh, the organization, we have everything to win again. So that goal was good because it was tough match. Uh, some of you you was the hmm. the commentator, so you 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 watch the game. So it's important, it's important. Uh, we say in Italy, win uh, help you help you help you win, you know. So uh, it was very, very important, uh, very important three points.
4: Yeah. Yeah. One nil is the perfect result in Italy, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> t- talking uh, Simon.
1: Simon, <laughs> my, my, you, can you hear my English? Is improved a lot? It's very you? good. It's very good. <laughs> <laughs>
5: uh,
4: you speak much better English than I do Italian, my friend. I can tell you that. Yeah. Um Talking of Italy, you got so many congratulations for your goal from around the world at yeah. the weekend, including one from Mario Balotelli that uh, that caught my eye on social media and you responded immediately by saying, I will wait for you Mario. If you come to Australia, I will wait for you. Now he's he's in uh, Switzerland at the moment playing for Sion. Are you, are you trying to persuade him to come and play in the A-League? Because that would be great. Ma, no,
1: no. <laughs> just no, just was a joke with Mario. the percent I invite <laughs> him to come here because I think it uh, will be an unbelievable crush here him. The personality who he is, uh, how he play football, uh, for me, Mario Balotelli uh, can be the best, one of the best marquee never come here. But just not only for the football, but what uh, the attention he brings with him. So, so under the radar, uh, I'm still working. I want to try, yes, of course. But, you know, it's hard. You know better than me. Hmm. It's, uh, we need a lot of components for one. Uh, one big player, a star like Mario to come here—a lot so, of money,
4: <laughs> yeah, a lot of money, also, oh, yeah, also, also, <laughs> no, also,
1: yeah. percent, but this is the truth. This is the truth. Because sometimes we have some some rule here. It's very hard to to bring uh, important obviously player.
6: Yes.
4: Yeah, but yeah. but by the sounds of it, Ali, and I'm sorry, I'm digging a little bit here, but by the sounds of it, he's a little bit interested. Is that right?
1: Who, Mario? Yeah. No, we don't speak about. We don't speak about uh, about that. Um, no, I just my thought uh, only my thought, not his thought. Right, Simon, my thought, <laughs> not his thought, because otherwise tomorrow <laughs> someone will speak. Mario wanna come in Australia? It's not true. So it's my thought, my thought. Uh, we have a lot of players um, can can come in Australia for me. Mario Baratelli, for uh, who he is, uh, for how we play, for the personality he has, uh, will be the perfect uh, marquee to bring attention uh, in uh, in our uh, in our. Uh, for me, beautiful
4: football. Absolutely. You won't get anybody disagreeing with that. But, uh, you know, I'm a journalist, so I have to try these things. Uh Roy, go on. You yeah, gotta... no, you
1: have to try. You have to try. But you know, my <laughs> friend, I am 40 years old, not because I'm old, but also because I have experience in that. So... Yeah.
6: <laughs> exactly. You do. You exactly. do. And look, he's uh, Mario Balotelli, big personality like yourself, but uh, a different direction now. So you're 39 now. Is coaching yeah. the next step for you? Or, You know, I know you may want to play for another year or two, but do you want to go into coaching? Is Melbourne going to be home? Look, look,
1: look, honestly, look, I'm never, look, 39 years old for me is just a number because when, when you have a passion like I have, when you work hard, like uh, I work every day, uh, I'm still in love with the ball. So I don't care about about my age, Mm -hmm. honestly. We have to understand, I want to just understand, I live, you know, my motto is uh, is day by day, uh, step by step. So I want to just enjoy uh, the next game, the next game again. So I want to live the moment. I enjoy the moment. Uh, and we will see in June, I have a, I have a big, uh, big friendship with my club. So uh, if I have to play another year, if I, uh, if I want to be a licensed uh, during summer, I will do the license of coach. Uh, so I'm look. I don't want to think about when I, what I do when I grow up. I want to think
4: about that. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. I love that answer, um, Ali. This is your fourth season now with Western United. I think that's uh, the longest that you've been with uh, any club apart from your junior club, which was Prato back in Italy. Is is Melbourne yeah. and Australia home for you now? Yeah, he's
1: home. He's home. He's uh, he's home. Yeah, he's. He... It's home, uh, yeah, I'm Italian, you know how, how, how I am proud to be Italian, 100%, but it's nice to have, uh, it's nice to have, uh, you can, if you, look, I went in Italy after two months, I say. I want to go home, it was <laughs> Melbourne, you know, it's good to have uh, two, two country, a two cities, two place to call uh, home, this yeah. is very good, because uh, also you have a very good, uh, a lot of friends in London, so also when I go in London, uh, I feel home, so this is a, this is a, this is a very good day. Yeah, it's very good. Uh,
4: just one more, Ali, then we'll let you go because we know yeah. you've got a busy night. No uh, you, oh, got no, you've, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> you've got Macarthur away on Saturday. They just had a change of yeah. coach, of course. Dwight York has left. Uh, do you have to guard against that sort of rebound factor that clubs that have a new coach sometimes get?
1: Look, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. So we are, look, honestly, we are very focused uh, on us. We are very focused on us. We have uh, uh, very, very much the respect uh, for them, but we have to be all focused on us because if if we prepare a good match, if uh, we are focused in what we do, if uh, we are, uh, we still uh, in our belief. Uh, we can get three points against everyone, so we we will go there to win the match with a lot of respect. But uh, and they are a very good team. It uh, will be a very good match.
4: I'm sure it will be. And uh, Alessandro, keep, keep playing for another year or two because we love watching you play. Um, thank- yes, yeah, Simon. Look, honestly, <laughs> thank
1: you. Look, I I wanna tell you, I was lucky. I was lucky. You be you were you you were the commentator uh, Saturday because. Uh, you, you give me the goal, uh, cheeky, cheeky, like you say.
4: <laughs> yes, and and uh, I got that translation right, I think, didn't I? As well, it it does translate to diamond, your surname.
1: The diamonds is a more is a diamonds is a plural. Yeah, it's a lot of diamonds. <laughs> yeah.
4: Well, you sh- you sure are a diamond, Ale. Uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight on the thank Global. You, Game. We really appreciate thank you guys. It. Pleasure, pleasure. Yeah. Grazie. Grazie. Bye, bye. Grazie. Uh, Alessandro Diamante what a character he is. he's so good for this league isn't it I don't think we make enough of him to be honest
6: it's fantastic and that's what you need You look he plays he plays a personality he speaks a personality and yeah. the more of that the better Jason Cummings another one yeah. uh, the, the more of these people the better because it just you know, it gets people talking about the game on and off the park which is very important
4: And he delivers on the park as well. Still at the age of 39, that was one heck of a goal. Uh, Don't forget to download Keep Up, the home of everything A-Leagues and watch the new docuseries A-Leagues All Access on Keep Up this week. A chat with Yokohama F Marinos manager Kevin Musket as he talks about youth development in the Australian game. And of course, every one of the episodes of All Access, including the behind the scenes with Perth Glory coach Ruben Zadkovic are always available as well. Uh, Roy, let's uh, talk about some of the games at the weekend. In fact, we'll talk about all of the games that happened in the men's competition at the weekend. Uh, just touch a little bit more on the Western United 1-Sydney FC nil game. We yep. talked about it from the Western United point of view. Uh, Sydney FC, again, not quite able to get the points. And it's it's mystifying to me as to why they're on such a poor run because you look at the the, the, the parts of the team and they've got quality. Mm -hmm. But they're just not getting the results. Why?
6: They've got quality. They've got experience. They've spent all this money. They've got a coach that's had success. They've got a big stadium that's brand new. And it's just nothing is clicking. And it's very simple, really. Uh, Confidence. You know, they've had chances at home in this new stadium in the Derby. I know it seems like a, a long time ago now in the Derby against Western Sydney Wanderers. They were probably the better team on the day. And Yengi scores that goal on the break. Confidence killer. And then we, we go to the World Cup and there's a couple of other results they didn't get. And then they played West. Uh, was it, uh, Wellington Phoenix, who were down to 10 men. Two penalties. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. That's Cork uh, is at home. And they, Anthony Caceres you know, had
4: two big chances in against Western game, as well.
6: In the game as well. Yeah. Do you know what... I reckon if Korka wasn't fully grey already, he, he would have turned grey because of the stress of this job, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's hard to work on paper. And I know football's not played on paper. On paper, that squad, mm. it's just full of quality. The squad, not just the starting 11, the squad, it's 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 mystifying, really.
4: Talk, talking of grey, uh, Sydney's average age of their starting 11 at the weekend was 32.1. Westerns was 30.7. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that a problem for the competition in general? I know we've seen, you know, elsewhere a lot of good young kids come through, but um maybe not so much at these two clubs per se. Yeah, but you
6: will notice in football anywhere across the globe, when a manager and these two managers were under pressure, they stick to the tried and trusted, which is experience. Yeah. And ultimately a thirty nine year old is the one that got <laughs> Western so United over the over the line. And so John Aloisi was was right you know um but it, it that's look that's just football I, I I feel like the majority of the a-league has gone younger uh, I was one of the older ones that was pushed aside you know so I feel like it's getting younger we saw that in the World Cup we had such a, an a-league dominated squad either previously had played or currently playing in the a-league I think Australian football and the youth is coming through but yeah struggling managers will always fall back on what they know best.
4: If you've got any thoughts, uh, send us a text 0457 736 uh, 736. We'll run through a few more uh, in a few minutes' time. Uh, Just one from Jason in Melbourne. Um, Don't know whether that's the chairman of Western United. He says the interview with Diamante was fantastic. Yeah, we thought so too. He's he's such a superstar. I I could speak to Alessandro about football every day, all week. I just think he's brilliant. Um, Adelaide United defeated MacArthur 1-0. And obviously this was the... Uh, the straw, I guess, that broke the camel's back for Dwight York, and After the game, he parted company with the club. Miller Stajowski is uh, in charge for this weekend's game against Western United. Let's talk about Adelaide United. Uh, they won it. They got the points. They needed the points as well because mm-hmm. they'd been on a bad run since the resumption after the World Cup. And Zach Clough uh, getting just his second goal for the Reds, which will be a big confidence booster for him because he needs to contribute a bit, doesn't he, as he well? He
6: does. I think that a few more need to contribute, yeah. really. I think... Uh, Last year, they went under the radar a bit. They were, they were such a solid team, but Craig Goodwin kind of carried them with his goals, you know? And when he's not scoring... Uh,
4: and Ibas not scoring Ibis, at the moment. Exactly,
6: as well. Yeah. It, it, you know, I mean, you can't just rely on two players. So, it's good. And hopefully for Clough, now that's confidence that he can he can grow into uh, and go on a bit of a run because, you know, Carl Vert will be uh, praying for that. But, again, Adelaide United at home for me. It's always a tough place to go. Uh, 1-0, good solid result. And, uh, yeah,
4: Dwight York has fallen on his sword there. Yeah. A uh, game of two red cards, of course. Ben Warland and Jake Holman uh, both sent off. That's uh, 22 red cards already this season in the A League, which has become a bit of a talking point. And mm-hmm. The ref's a little bit too quick to show red cars. I'm not necessarily saying in this game, yeah. I think, well, certainly the Ben Wallen challenge was, was worthy of a red. Uh, arguably the Jake Holman one as well. But it, as a general point, do you think we're, we're think, seeing too many?
6: I Yeah, I think the VAR is putting the fear of God into people. I think mm. playbacks, I think social media, referees are second-guessing themselves. I think they need to go with their instinct. Uh, I think we've we seen one early in the year, uh, Ibizuki was it sent off and, yes, everybody, and everybody and their dog in the opinion he shouldn't have been sent off no problem since then I think a lot of referees are panicking and the big decisions they're getting wrong and then they're they're, they're second guessing themselves and it takes about nine minutes Mm. between looking at the, the VAR and all the cameras to to get a decision made. but um,
4: And we have been told at the start of the season they were instructed to clamp down on the studs up. Mm. Um, you know, that's why Ibasuki got the red I card know, against City on the season. But there's a difference, right? Yeah. Having your
6: studs up and being malicious with it to hurt and having your studs up just in an awkward way because g- it's yeah. a quick game. The game moves quickly. And when you slow anything down...
4: Yeah, it, it looks, looks ten worse. times worse. It does, like your challenge on Lawrence. Thomas well, studio. that was pretty bad, to be fair.
6: <laughs> but no, it does. Like, if you slow anything yeah. down, it looks yeah. terrible. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's it's one it's one of these things that I think it, it doesn't help. But yeah, letter of the law. If your studs are up, yeah, it's a red card challenge. But you have to I have to use some common sense as okay. well.
4: Okay, uh, Joe Gaudry, very good between the posts uh, for Adelaide. So too Tom Glover in uh, Melbourne City's mm-hmm. goalless draw. Uh, with Brisbane Raw. We'll speak to Thomas Sorensen about uh, their prospects, those two, about potentially uh, succeeding Matt Ryan in the Socceroos team a little bit later on in the show. Melbourne City stayed top, but they've drawn their last two a little bit of a stumble. I mean, blimey, we're splitting hairs, aren't we? But Brisbane are tough to beat and tough to score against. they built their entire season on a very solid defence.
6: Yeah, look, they've been very solid defensively. Again, I'll have a problem with them on the other, other side of the pitch. I don't think they... They've had a no, no goal scorer this year. I don't think it's clicked up there. I think they've had some decent results. um. But all the pace they have out wide, there's not enough goals coming from wide. I don't think they've got a number nine that's banging in the goals and looks like they're going to bang in the goals. A lot of teams in the A League for me this year uh, don't have that kind of player up the top that, like, you know, the Britishers of this world or, mm. or the McLarens, uh, you know, that just, you're guaranteed goals. You not know easy I mean? to
4: find, are they? They're not easy to yeah. find,
6: but. You know, you have to go look for them as well. You have to go looking for a number. And I know, in fairness to Brisbane, though, they went all out to go for Charlie Austin and that hasn't kind of worked out the way they wanted either. So that's uh, that's not on them either.
4: Uh, Perth Glory 3, Melbourne Victory 1. Again, Macedonia Park rocking. Um, It's really doing the business for Perth at the moment. I think that's three or even four. Uh, wins on the spin at home. A game of another two red cards, which made it 24 for the season. Jack mm. Lesbian, uh Chris Economides. Now, Perth do have a number nine.
3: Yes.
6: Adam
4: Taggart. There you go. And they've there you go. Uh, replaced Bruno Fornaroli with mm. him, essentially with him. And he, he got two.
6: And you know what you get with Adam Taggart? Goals. Yeah. You know, you might not get a much, much link-up play. You might not get many runs. But what you will get is if you put the ball in the box, he'll be there. And more often than not, he'll score goals. And for me, that's what I want in my number nine. That's what they're measured on. And that's what I want. I want goals, goals you know, and that's what keeps fans
4: coming back for more. Um, victory still down there in the doldrums at the bottom and Sydney uh, third from bottom, not exactly the big blue we expected to see on Australia day, particularly not when they met in round one. And so they produced that absolutely brilliant mm. game at the Sydney football stadium. Uh, Newcastle Jets won Western Sydney Wanderers won uh, Jets, your old club, of course, Roy. Uh, a game sort of t- of two halves. This, in many ways, the-, the Wanderers almost completely dominant in the first half, and yet they allow one chance for Newcastle. Langus, Thurgate, Bank totally against a run of mm-hmm. play one nil. Yeah, and then second half, and Newcastle sort of f- try to force the issue late on, and yet it was the Wanderers who got the equaliser from the spot. It's a funny old game, isn't it?
6: It's a very funny game. A game of two halves. I haven't heard that before in uh, football punditry. <laughs> uh, but I must say, yeah, I would agree with you there. I thought Wanderers, they were they were dominant with the ball. Uh, and they got into some very dangerous areas, as we touched on previously. Again, they didn't have the player in there to, you know, to finish the chances. Put the ball in the net. Yeah. Uh, they, had a lot of, they had a lot of wingers, a lot of nice footballers, but ultimately not that kind of cutting edge. Uh, and when you don't take your chances, and they had plenty, uh, you, there's a chance you'll get punished. And I thought Newcastle Jets' goal, Gus Poyot... Uh, Gus Poet. he he's a good player as well <laughs> Gus Thurgate great header
7: they wish yeah, they had yeah, Gus Poyett yeah, yeah. yeah exactly
6: but I saw actually I saw a stat during the game um, about Newcastle Jets they're top of the pile and not a big one for stats but they're top of the pile for possession mm. but they're second bottom in the A-League you know so it just
4: shows you. Yeah. Well, we've had a thing in this country about possession for a long time, mm-hmm. haven't we? But uh, I, I think Hanberger sort of started that with the national curriculum. And then he did actually amend it to effective, po- possession, effective possession, which yeah. is obviously much more of an yeah. indicator, but um, it seems to become stuck in our lexicon mm-hmm. uh, and we're obsessed with it. Anyway, uh, the final game of the round, Wellington Phoenix two, uh, Central Coast Mariners one, Alex Rufa. A goal as rare as hen's teeth when he gets on the score sheet. His first ever. Oscar Zavada again. And again, just talking about number nines. Again. He's good starting signing. to to provide the goals that the, the Knicks need.
6: Yeah, good signing. Um, he's a regular scorer of goals. He looks like he's a threat. He looks like all he wants to do is get in the 18-yard box for service. And they've been able to service him. They've got plenty of pace and experience. The likes of Barbarosis, Rufo, you touched on there. Um, so yeah, they, again Wellington defy the odds every year. They uh, do. Vizel I think, is a good signing. Mm. Uh, I like him. Um, but um, good game as you said there's plenty of argy bargy at the end of that game as well. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the I think people have got very nasty since I've stopped playing in the a League I, think. <laughs> I uh, You would never like that no, Roy, no, no, you? That's not in my such a shrinking that's not in my, not my, a my lexicon. Check this being Chris Economedius as well being sent off in the other game. Uh, there's plenty of uh plenty yeah. of drama mate.
4: And uh, Jason Cummings of course missed out on that game through illness. Uh will he be back this weekend? The Mariners taking on Western Sydney Wanderers. On Saturday, that's uh, part of a triple header. Wellington Phoenix against Perth is the early kickoff. Uh, MacArthur against Western at five. Uh, On Thursday, of course, before then, it's the Big Blue. Victory against Sydney at Amy Park. On Friday, the Jets against Brisbane. That's a fixture that the away team nearly always wins for some bizarre reason. And then the round is finished off on Sunday, three o'clock at Amy Park with Melbourne City against Adelaide United. That's our A-League review for this week. Thanks, Roy, for the moment. Off to a quick break. On the other side of it, we will chat to Thomas Sorensen. OK, let's uh, change tack for the next few minutes. Last night, I hosted the Emirates FA Cup Trophy Tour in Sydney. The famous old piece of silverware has been brought down under for fans here to have a look at ahead of this weekend's fourth round ties. It was a great night, all thanks to Paramount+. Plus. Joe Cole joined us from London to talk about his memories of winning three cup finals. And at the venue, we had Sydney's Joe Lolly and Adam LaFondra and FA Cup final legends Jesper Olsen, who won it with Manchester United in 1985, and Thomas Sorensen. And Thomas, of course, played for many years in England for Aston Villa, for Sunderland and for Stoke, and is now living in Melbourne after he ended his playing days with Melbourne City. We had a chat before the event, touching upon his experience of the final in 2011 as a player with Stoke City. Uh, Thomas good to see you we're we're here to uh, uh, have a look at the FA Cup trophy in Sydney which obviously is terrific for local football fans here Uh, your memories of the FA Cup uh, not necessarily
7: the best is that fair to say because you lost the final 2011 let's say the you know this is the closest I've ever come to the (laughs) FA Cup Uh, you know I I sadly got to stand 50 meters away and watch Man City uh, lifted in 2011 so uh, you know Looking back at it, you know, on the day, obviously very disappointed, but it, it was still one of the best days uh, in my footballing career. Just for everything around it, uh, you know, having my family there, just the FA Cup. I grew up with the FA Cup back in the like 80s and 90s and watching the final and, and all the traditions. And, you know, it, it was an amazing day by the result. And, uh, you know, I think that's where my mind is now like I forget a result it was a great experience
4: I was gonna ask you that because obviously you grew up in Denmark mm-hmm. um, but English football is is huge in oh. in that part of the world so you were across and aware the FA Cup and all the traditions
7: around Cup final day as well yeah FA Cup was the biggest game of of the year you know we had uh, a Saturday game there was one game shown and uh, all the, the scores came sort of uh, binging in during the during the game uh, but the FA Cup was bigger than uh, the European Cups. Uh, that was what everyone tuned into and, you know, some of my memories. Uh, I think the uh, 88 uh, Wimbledon win, the crazy gang, you know, just that story of the underdog, uh, you know, just beating the, the big guns and, you know, that team with Vinnie Jones, Dennis Wise and I think Laurie Sanchez scored the winner, Dave Besson saved the penalty. So, the, you know, there was so much going on and I think just captured my imagination and, and you know, so the, I always used to, to watch the, the FA Cup and, uh, it, yeah, it definitely had a you know, special place, I think, for Danish people in general. Everyone who loved football watched it. Has it lost a little bit of its magic in, in the modern era, do you think? You know, I think there's a lot of competition nowadays. Obviously, the Champions League is, is marching and everyone wants to see football at a top level. And I think the FA Cup final is, is always a, a great occasion. Uh, I think you can still sense that. But I think the, the, the tournament maybe as a whole with teams bigger teams not maybe prioritizing it um, but you know we still see the surprises the you know the the small teams making it into the third round fourth round and, and go from there so you know for me it hasn't it hasn't dropped out of um of, of of anything but i i can see the bigger picture there's there's definitely things competing with it and and they need to do a lot more and that's why the trophy is here
4: of course, here in Australia, we're, we're trying to do something similar with uh, what was called the FFA Cup, now the Australia Cup. Uh, do you think over time uh, it will grow into something similar? I mean, we're already seeing, you know, those giant killings, those shocks yeah. and the fact that people like uh, the fact that the lower tier clubs can play against the big boys.
7: Yeah, you know, it, again, it, it, you know, it, there's always a lot of focus on obviously the top tier and that's what gets all the attention, but... You know, football is is a community sport and, and and a local sport around the country, and and, and for you know, you know Sydney United and and other teams to to, to suddenly stick their head out and, and mix with the big guns, not just for them, but but also for for the rest of the game to to, to see that you know that there is a way forward, and and you you can, and there's a, a pathway for, for a lot of kids to 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 make it into the A League and and even go further. So I think the the cup plays a massive role in in that respect and it takes time you know you need tradition you need you know you need cup finals you need upsets you know you need that myth to build uh, it's going to take time but i think it's off to, to a good start uh, you know I, I you know i had a great experience with melbourne city winning the ffa cup against sydney uh, sydney united uh, sydney fc sorry um uh you know so so i felt it and that was a great evening uh and a great occasion for fans and and everyone uh, connected to the club
4: you still watch, obviously, a fair bit of Australian football at A League level, probably other levels as well.
7: Uh, where's the competition at, in in your opinion? No, I think it's it's a it's in a good place. I think there's a there's a good product on the pitch. I think there's a you know a lot of young players coming through, which is exciting, and I think that's where you you need to move to. You need. To see it as a as a stepping stone for young players, you know, you can never compare it to the Premier League or some of the leagues in Europe, and I think that would be be wrong. Um, but see it for what it is, and 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 yeah, you know, we just need more fans in the ground. I think as if you had the right surroundings, if you had five, ten thousand at every game, I think automatically it would be a better product. Because um, I think on the pitch, there's a lot of excitement, there's a lot of things going on. Um, and there tends to be plenty of goals as well. We saw Diamantis you know, nearly, you know, he uh, scored from the halfway line. So, so there, there is quality there. Uh, I think it's just the overall product needs to just, you know, go a couple of shelves up, uh, I think. I'm sure you watch goalkeepers more closely than any other area
4: of the pitch. Um, I know you'll have seen a lot of Tom Glover. Is he perhaps the natural Successor, maybe to, to Matt Ryan long term, or is it Joe Gauci or or is somebody else caught your eye? Maybe not even in in the A League.
7: Um, I think you know definitely definitely here. I think those are the two. I think of late, Gauci has, has done really well. Um, uh, Tom Glover had a down year a couple of years ago. I think he he's picked himself up, and I think. You know, as young keepers, you you, you know, it, it is a bit up and down and sometimes you need a bit of realization, uh, you know, that you need to work hard and continuously improve. You know, it, things are not just handed to you. And, and I think you can see a reaction. There's been a reaction from him and, and Gauchi is just a little bit younger. Um, but again, is going through a tremendous bit of form at the moment. Um, so so I think that's, that's candidates. There's a couple of in, Eng- in England as well at, at lower T level that, that has poked their head out. Uh, One at Charlton, and uh, I think there's. A a- Ashley Maynard Brewer, yeah, is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so there are others. Um, but, yeah, let's hope that Matty Ryan, you know, he's, he's still young in a, as a goalkeeper. Let's hope he stays around. But, but yeah, I think the succession is there uh, at, a, at a sort of a youth level. You only retired a few years ago, it's not that long ago. Um, has goalkeeping changed in the interim, do you think? it was already changing when I was playing. You know, I, I, I suffered a bit, you know, from, you know, my last time at, at, at City with with the demands of, of being an outfield player. You know, I, I grew up with being able to pick the ball up. And yeah, so that there is another dimension attitude. We see the criticism of, you know, Daguerre has been criticized, uh, you know, Hugo Lloris, because they are not exceptional with their feet. You know, com- and it's always compared to Annoya or... You know other top top keepers uh so i think it's just a demand of and that's where goalkeeping is it's just been a common more all-round there's so much more focus on 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 all those things where in my day it was just save the ball and you're good (laughs) uh you know so that's where the game has moved on you know it's you know as a uh playing styles and everything else is involved in it. thank God for that, You know, we need, we need that game new things coming through and, and certainly it's coming through on a goalkeeping level as well
4: And I'm fascinated to know that when a, when a player retires and you played for a few clubs, uh, Aston Villa obviously and Stoke City and, and Melbourne City here in Australia do you, do you maintain that sort of love of that club or that connection with that club are they the clubs that you support and want to watch more than the others or is it a case of as
7: soon as you finish playing, nah, that's it you're done? <laughs> I, you know I, I love to watch football in general so any good game I'll, I'll watch um, but yeah you keep a tap on on uh, on those clubs because I've got an emotional connection there I had great times at all the clubs um, great memories uh, you know sadly times have moved on so I don't know too many people there anymore uh, that's that's as quick as the game goes these days but yeah like uh, you know Villa great to see them doing uh, you know well now on, on the Emory and and we just need Stoke and Sunderland back in the,
4: in the Premier League, then we're, we're good. Apologies to Sunderland fans; I forgot about Sunderland. That final question, uh, Thomas, uh, before we let you go, uh, it would be remiss of me not to ask you about what on earth happened to Denmark at the World Cup? Nothing happened. I think that, that's what happened.
7: Uh, yeah, very disappointing. Um, you know, I think there was big expectations, especially on the back of the Euros. Uh, the excitement in Denmark has been through the roof. Um, but I don't know what, uh, you know, there was so much negativity with, with it being in the uh, Qatar. It became very political uh, in Denmark from, from every angle. And, and I don't know if it tired the players out. It's obviously not an excuse, but they just look flat. And I, and I was, especially in the um, games against the Socceroos after they went behind, I just saw no reaction. And, and, and to be fair, I was sitting there saying, you know, I don't want them to go through because they don't deserve it. Uh, and they, there'll be some reflection. And, and I think it's already going on. They, they need to come out firing now in, in the qualification for the Euros. And uh, yeah, no, but great for the Socceroos, even though I was crying inside when that game went. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks so much, Thomas. <laughs> it's been a pleasure.
4: Yes, Spencer Pryor joins us, as per usual, to look back at the weekend's English Premier League action. Evening, Spencer. How is uh, New Zealand? Sunny, we understand.
5: Yes, very sunny. And actually not very windy, believe it or not, but <laughs> that makes a big change. All the locals here, you could fry an egg off the back of their necks. You want to see him? they're walking around they're going oh this is so unusual it's lovely mate lovely
4: well that's a big call from someone from Southend Um, (laughs) let's start with the big news that's emerged over the last 24 hours the sacking of Frank Lampard at Everton after their latest defeat to West Ham was that sort of inevitable do you think?
5: Mate we've been talking about this for the last three weeks haven't we and speculating it got a bit boring to be honest with you but maybe that's just me um I think the problem's bigger than just the manager at Everton. But it doesn't it when you've only got, like, 15 points from 20 games. I think his record across the two seasons is less than a point a game. So, I mean, this is, this is Frank's third job in four years. Mm. So I don't know where he goes next. But, you know, if the focus is on Everton, there's definitely something wrong at the club at the top. You know, the supporters don't, you know... The supporters are the, the, the people that tend to see, and have a better understanding of what's going on at the club. And they weren't calling for him to get punted; they're more calling for the for the owners. So um, I think, think there'll be a bit of, be of a pushback in terms of the owners still continuing. Uh, the next appointment is is just survival for him, to be honest, Simon. I, I, I don't think it's someone that's going to get him pushing back up to the top six. It's someone that's, that's going to be able to dig him out of the, the trouble they're in. And is that
6: the problem, Spencer? You know, um, I suppose the board are trying to take the attention away by sacking Frank Lampard. But say Bielsa is the favourite at the moment to come in and take the job. Does it change much? Or look? Like, is he going to come in and have his hands tied as well?
5: Do you know what, right? I've, I've heard his name mentioned, but I'd I prefer to see a Sean Dyche go in there. Okay. I think Sean Dyche has the ability to work on limited budgets, which he did at Burnley, got success, uh, got him promoted, then had good stability in the Premier League. I, I, I think I'd rather see a Sean Dyche get the role, to be honest with you, than a Bielsa. Mm-hmm. Bielsa looks sexy as an appointment, but that's not what Everton need right now. They just need someone that can go in and make good of some park a tough place to go and play, Roy, I think, it's, it's a very, very, very intimidating stadium, right, it's sitting right on top of you, it's a beautiful stadium, Mm -hmm. great to play in and it's really on top of you, but teams are going out there and rolling them over. Yeah, spot on,
6: spot and look, Dice is a great call as well, I mean, yeah, but Dice is a great call, Mm. I think the way he, look, he was very unfortunate with how we finished up at Burnley, but, his stock is still high, I For suppose. Sure. With Bielsa, and you know, as a coach as well, with Bielsa, it would be a big change of style and culture there that they don't have time to do really.
5: Well, that's the, that's another point, right? So he goes in, and he, you know, he's got this nuts way of man-to-man marking, high press, but it's not, it's not even high press; it's just man-to-man marking, mm-hmm. and it's all over the pitch, and it's it's unpredictable in a certain way with the ball. But when they get it, when they look. Lose it, they just go man to man and they go hell for leather. You're you're right. I don't think now is the time to put somebody in like that that's going to have such a drastic change in style. Mm. Um, Dice is the man for me going to fix it up.
4: Just Sam for Sam Allardyce. I mean, he's he's the go-to man, isn't he? <laughs> uh, or Steve Bruce. Um, anyway, we'll see what oh, happens with <laughs> with or Everton. Neil
5: Neil Walnut. Walnut. Oh, yeah. well, <laughs> <new,
4: laughs> yeah. as well. Oh dear. Uh, that win for uh, West Ham over Everton of the weekend probably saved David Moyes' bacon for now as well. But uh, he remains under the pump. Let's look at the other end of the table Spenner. Arsenal passed another yeah. stern test. 3-2 over Manchester United. A late goal from Eddie Nketiah is second in the game, giving them a five-point lead. It's another big statement win and they keep making them, don't they, Arsenal?
5: And, and you know, that's the, that's the different level that they're at now in terms of picking up wins when they didn't look possible, right? So Man United went there, you know, off the back of drawing with Palace. Sort of wasn't a. It was important for them to get a result and and dig in and see what they could do, and you know, as it hasn't happened, and they fought and fought and fought. But Arsenal shows such such patience, such I mean, Saka's goal's outstanding, right? Cutting in from the cutting in from the right hand side, wonderful finish. Really, you know, you look at the Arsenal front four players off think the total of those front four players combined was about 40 million, right? Which shows how well they've done. I know two of them came through the academy, but it just shows how they've spent that time developing players, developing their style, building on the principles and stuff at the club, and they really are laying the foundation. I mean, what, five points clear, one game in hand. Uh, we, We know they've got to play Man City twice, but I, I just can't see him dropping too many more points, Simon, to be honest.
6: Mm. They, show, they show great character, definitely. But you have to say, oh. tw- 20 minutes in, when Rashad scores that goal, and he quiets the crowd, You just I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see Arsenal showing that type of backbone to come
5: back into the game.
6: That's but the key it was word, terrific. isn't it?
4: Backbone. Mm. Which they haven't had for backbone, many but years, they but they've haven't. got it now.
5: No, but they've got now. They have got it now and there's a real sense of belief amongst the supporters, right? So yeah, they've 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 got that little feeling, the little sniff of it, that it's coming this year. And when when you get that and the crowd get behind you, rather than you go a goal down and they go silent, it's um it's pretty powerful for the players. Everybody talks about the twelfth man, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, they really do have a belief this year.
4: Uh, Manchester City kept within range. Erling Haaland back to form with his fourth hat trick in City goals. Ridiculous, isn't it? Twenty-five goals this He's season. He's a terrible player, isn't he? Really. And, and some people have been complaining about it, saying, "Oh, you no. know, his, his output wasn't great the last couple of games." I mean, goodness me. Um, obviously, City play Arsenal in the Cup this weekend, so those three meetings yeah. to come between the two teams it could could well decide. Uh, well, certainly one piece of silverware, maybe even two.
5: And you know what the, the, the FA Cup game is going to really set it up nicely for the two league games, mm. right? So with Man City now out of the out of the League Cup, and and we know Pep takes the cup competitions very very seriously. He'll he'll go he'll go for that. He'll put his he'll put his best side out. I reckon. I don't think there'll be any sort of rotations to keep players fresh. I think this is this is going to go out to send a, a message to Arsenal and. You know when when we see Pep now doing interviews and he's talking about how how good Arsenal were doing and how how strong they are, he doesn't talk about sides like that with such respect. If he doesn't genuinely believe in so he's also he's, he's, difficult, he's, he's difficult also out.
4: big mates with Arteta, who used to be his number two. To be fair, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, that's
5: true. There's a bit of psychology that's in that, true. though. Yeah. As well. yeah, I think. Yeah. You know. I think so, I, but I do. I think he'll go out and want to try and uh, try and put on a make a statement at the weekend.
6: Yeah, and look, I I think I think you're right. I think both both managers won't want to change too much. I think um, as you said, Guardiola wants to show we're still we're still the kingpins here, get the result and and really put a marker up against Arsenal and see can he wobble that new phone backbone that they've showed lately. So uh, it'll be very interesting. It'll be a great watch for us I neutrals. Think-
5: well, when you're seeing now that you're getting Haaland and Alvarez in the same side, that's got the mark of something very, very special mm. going towards the back end of the season, right? Mm. Two very, very, very creative players that both can score stacks of goals. Um like we said, twenty five goals already this season, incredible amount of goals. Obviously Harry Kane's pushing him and, and he's scoring a stack loads as well. But I think I think still think um I still think have been without doubt, the best sign end of the season so far.
4: Um, just one more spanner before we let you go. Uh, Liverpool-Chelsea are mm. uh, two teams who expect to be amongst the silverware uh, chase, of course, uh, mm. right out of it at the moment. they finished finished uh, goalless between the pair, two out-of-form teams. They're ninth and tenth, uh, respectively, way off the top four at the moment. Uh, th- there is some suggestion that Graham Potter might be sacked. That's not going to happen, is it? Because he's only just in the job.
5: Oh, and, and he's only he just started bringing his players in, right? So he went and, and robbed them pilfered from Brighton and he's, he's going around and he's putting his mark on and doing his own recruitment. I, I can't see Potter getting punted, mm. but it just shows where those two teams are at at the moment, really, in terms of their goal scoring potential and how they're setting their teams out. I love Graham Potter and how he worked with Brighton. I thought the way he got Brighton playing was amazing, but you didn't do that overnight either so Chelsea are not going to bring him in just for the short term for just this season I think it's a longer term project of course they want to be successful and being pushing for Champions League but it's more than just one season right and I think they'll have a little bit more loyalty I mean Tuchel was unlucky to get hunted in the first place but it's good they've got an English guy in that they've given a chance to. I'm I'm just really really hoping they keep faith with him and there's not pressure from supporters to make the changes. Um, obviously, without Abramovich's money, it's slightly different there at now Chelsea and they're back in uh, back in amongst the real boys now without your your, your multi-billionaire behind you.
4: Okay, uh, elsewhere at the weekend, uh, congratulations to Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. He broke uh, Jimmy Greaves' all-time Spurs club record with his 266th uh, goal in their win over Fulham. And Leicester and Brighton, uh, your old club, of course, Spinner uh, Leicester, they drew 2-2. Uh, Rumours still that Harry Souter could be on his way to the King Power Stadium. Uh, and Kaoro Mitoma again with another goal. Fourth of the season, man of the match performance he is uh, proving to be a really good value signing for Brighton. Uh, Spencer, we're going to leave it there because we're out of time. But uh, thanks, as per usual. We'll speak oh, to you next God. week, mate.
5: Look after yourself. Good
4: luck. See ya. See Cheers, Spencer. That's Spencer Pryor with our Premier League Roundup. Yes, yeah, time to talk women's football once again with Alicia Carnavas. Evening to you, Alicia. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. How are you, team? Very good. Roy O'Donovan's here uh, tonight, of course, as I'm sure you know. Uh, before we get onto the A League women's competition, a question we didn't have time for last week: uh, Ray Dower appointed TD of women's football by FA. Is uh, that a good appointment in uh, in your view, Alicia?
0: Yeah, look, I definitely think the appointment is required, number one, and I think if we're looking at um, who's probably the most experienced in the women's game um, amongst all of our coaches, particularly in, in in the women's coaching realm, I think Ray Dow would have to be top of that list um, just with the amount of exposure she, that she's had in our game for many, many years. Um, gosh, I would have been a kid coming through and Ray Dow was top of the charts up here in Queensland. So I think it's a good appointment. I think it's a start um, for women's football in particular to actually have a TD, which mm. I think is, is important for our movement as we, we go forward and try and grow this game.
6: Yes, and on to the business of the game, uh, Alicia. Wellington Phoenix got their first win of the season, hammering yes. Canberra 5-0. Was it as much of a shock to you as it was to me?
0: Well, Roy, welcome, by the way, thank to the you. show for for tonight. Um, look, the last time they played Canberra, they lost three 0 I'm pretty sure back in December, if my stats are right and my memory serves me correctly. Five nil is a thumping um, of Canberra, and I think they had a really good win the week before. So definitely a surprise um, as far as as far as the result goes. They've got Brisbane um, this week on the road, so, That'll be interesting uh, to see if they can just maintain a bit of momentum. And the the quality of the finishing was really, really good uh, Mm -hmm. from Wellington. So fantastic match from them. And, I love to see a bit of a shake-up in the, these matches throughout the league. So I was really pleased for them and, and hopefully they can continue.
6: Absolutely.
4: Uh, now, Western got back to winning ways after uh, their first loss last week. Uh, Hannah Keane with her seventh of the season. She's in line for the Golden Boots at the moment. Uh, the top four, Alicia, looks to be pretty much locked in. There's a, a five-point break between Victory and fourth and Adelaide in fifth. Uh, is anybody going to break that top four stranglehold, do you think?
0: Look, it's it's as we sort of said earlier in the season. Once they start to break away that top four, it's going to be very difficult um, for for other teams to catch up. And I think that's always the challenge um, through with both leagues in the A League, men's and women's. It's always the challenge once the top four sort of cement and get their momentum. I think it's it's never say never, but I think it's a bit of a stretch now for any team to really catch catch the four. Mm. And I think what we're seeing will will generally continue unless there's some surprise late uh late attacks from from teams a little bit lower in the table but i think what we see is what we get and it's just whether or not um those teams can just maintain that momentum into into finals, really.
4: And there's a very uh, Victorian feel about the top of the ladder with Sydney FC, of course, the outlier. Stuart from the Dem- uh, the People's Democratic Republic of Victoria has sent us a, t- a text, Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six is our number. Uh, and Stuart says, look at uh, the A-League W ladder at the moment. An all-Victorian final is looking a real possibility. If this eventuates, the APL surely cannot have this showpiece in front of empty seats when we're so close to hosting the Women's World Cup. Any thoughts? Now, of course, this is on the mm-hmm. back of the decision to have the men's and women's grand finals uh, in Sydney. There's no uh, guarantee, of course, it's going to be an all-Victorian final. No guarantee there's going to be a full stadium of empty seats either. But you sort of take his point. If it's an all-Victorian final, it would be better to be in Victoria, really, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I th- think that's been the... The sole point, I think, for football fans throughout the country is um, part, part of drawing your crowd is being able to, to host your final, right? That was that was the way it was. And if you finished as minor premiers, you you got that honor of hosting the final. Yeah. So I think that part of our game is lost, unfortunately. And I think that actually is what made our game unique. If we look at the other codes, Melbourne get the AFL, Sydney get the NRL typically. And so what made our game unique was that our final was mobile. Um, and so I th- always thought we had greater reach in that regard. So absolutely point taken. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it would be disappointing if it is an all-Victorian final and it is in Sydney and, and we don't get the numbers. It just goes against the grain of, again, what we're trying to achieve and, and grow and utilise the World Cup for. So um, decisions, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big decisions. Um, I just wanted to ask you one question about uh, Western before we move away from uh, the Victorian teams. Jess McDonald played her final match uh, for Western in uh, their win at the weekend. She led on both goals in the 2-0 victory. Uh, is that going to leave a big hole in Mark Torcaso's team that she's now gone back to the States?
0: Yeah, look, I I really think Jess McDonald, um, as far as an addition to the league, was was a fantastic one. I think um, even watching her just recently against Brisbane, her ability just to position herself and and take a lovely first touch into space, and then a first time cross to set up a goal, it's, you can just see her level of experience and and the confidence that she plays with. And I think a team like Western, um, being new to the league and having a player like her with her experience and and American players typically bring that confidence and that natural leadership as well that they have um, was definitely an addition um, to that team so um, absolutely she'll be missed I think she'll be missed in the league as well and um, also what she represented um, in terms of just being a mum and doing what she did as well and traveling to to play was was really special. So I think, collectively, she'll be missed. But I think uh, for Weston, does this give room for players like Chloe Legazzo mm. as well to come in and, and really start to start uh, coming into finals time as well, that tail end of the season, and see what impact she can have um, for that team.
4: And in case you don't know, Jess McDonald left her 10-year-old son back in the States to come over and play in Australia. Wow. So it's quite a big commitment, isn't yes. it? Sorry, Roy, go on. No, uh, I wanted to talk about the champions,
6: Melbourne victory, they play in the, the big blue doubleheader on Australia Day. Uh, Alex Chidiak is in imperious form at the moment. Discuss.
0: Where do we begin? Alex <laughs> Chidiak, I mean, she's been the talk of the week, I think, um, all around. She's been outstanding. I mean, from my money going back to the start of this season, i she was one of the bolters for me for the World Cup, for the for the national team, um, and to be included in that squad. I think she's stated her case in no uncertain terms now. Um, she's had a really, really special season. And for me, um, a standout player in the league, absolutely. So her, her energy and just what she brings to that Melbourne victory team and attack is really special. And I think um, – well, I don't think, I just – I'm hoping that it continues long live because it's fantastic for the league. I think what she's doing is is fantastic.
4: Absolutely is. Um, let's head overseas. Uh, Roy's got one question to finish off, but I just want to ask you this one before he does. Uh, In England, in the FA Women's Super League, three games called off due to frozen pitches. Big talking point, this, including Chelsea against Liverpool. Sam Kerr was uh, in the Chelsea squad, of course. Uh, The match did get underway, but was abandoned after six minutes. And uh, uh, the Chelsea manager, Emma Hayes, has has gone public saying, look, it's time the women's game got under soil heating for all the pitches pitches that they play on, which I I totally agree with. It did strike me though when you compare the problems of, of England and Australia. I mean we're struggling to find stadiums to play in they're saying well we got the stadiums give us undersoil heating now just different level of problems isn't it?
0: Correct correct look I didn't even know you could get undersoil heating but here we are in, oh, yeah. in Australia it's not something we have to think about right so it's it's a completely different ball game um, what they're what they're dealing with but look when I saw that footage um of Chelsea versus Liverpool, I thought it was some sort of a parody. I'd actually took me a couple of minutes to realise that this was the actual match. It was very, very strange, obviously, watching that footage. Um, but of course, it, as it should be abandoned, uh, if we're thinking about player welfare and safety and, and just, you know, match quality, I think it's really important that, that they get these things right. But um, Emma Hayes, I think, is not wrong in the request. And I think if if the WSL are leading the the standard for women's football, which England have really stepped up in the last couple of years, absolutely in leading uh, the way um, for women's football and, and a new wave and a new standard, I think it's important um, that perhaps in their league that happens, but of course other leagues follow suit with what the expectation is for women's football as as the mm. bare minimums. Absolutely.
4: Mm. By the way, do you know who the first club in England was to get under soil heating? Manchester City. Nin- oh, 1976 Main road Longer ago is that Main road Go on Roy You get right. the final question Last
6: question Okay uh, The official match ball For the FIFA Women's World Cup Was un- unveiled this week in Sydney uh, It looked a bit big to me It wasn't regulation size <laughs> They needed a helicopter to bring it in How are they going to kick that? <laughs>
0: Fun, fun times. I mean, look, great footage, great marketing. Um, whoever was the mastermind behind that, it looks fantastic for for the Women's World Cup, particularly Sydney in all its glory and Bondi Beach. So kudos to them. Um, the look of the new ball, I like it. I think it looks really cool. It's something a bit different. Um, the detail on it is, I think, really thought through, but it's Particularly around Oceania, I think that was really important to sort of highlight the region. Yeah. And I know that we sort of tuck into Australasia these days by way of qualification. But um, look, we we are an island, big island, Australia, and we really sit with our Pacific neighbours by and large. So I think it's a really nice touch and a really nice nod um, to our geographical position in the world. And um, it's something a bit different. I think it's quite modern as well. So it's exciting.
4: Yeah sure is, as long as it doesn't fly like the Jabalani did in Mm. South Africa in 2010. That's it. Hey, uh, Alicia, we've got to go. Thanks so much for your time, as per usual. We'll speak to you next week on the Global Game. Cheers, guys. Have a good night. Thanks, Alicia. That's uh, Alicia Carnavas with our Women's Roundup. Thanks again for all your interaction tonight. Lots of text through on uh, the text number. Uh, This one from Jay from the Mountains. A question for Simon. Would you like to see the A-League return to North Townsville, either a new franchise or an existing club? Uh, to take games there. I would certainly like to see a second team in Queensland, uh, preferably in the north of the states, but as ever, Roy, it comes down to money, doesn't it? And it's a long way from the major cities, it's expensive to run football teams, expensive to get flights to away games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Maybe a national second division is the place for a team from north queensland in the interim but i would certainly like to see us go back there because i think that state needs a second team and i'll tell you what brisbane roar need it too
6: they do they they need the competition i yeah. think uh, and it's a big state it's a big it's a big area to cover <clears throat> when you're thinking about you know youth development and players coming through it's a long it's a long drive if you're a good player coming through in townsville for your yeah. parents to have to get you down to brisbane if that's the the nearest professional side so yeah, for you, progression. But I think you're taking to your point, yeah, the National Second Division, again, it plays into that perfectly,
4: doesn't it, really? Yeah, sure does. Uh, Jay from the Mountains also says, can you ask, is it, is it the same number? Yes. Uh, can you ask Roy O'Donovan to record his voice for my Google Maps voice assistant? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. Hey, maybe that's your future, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Roy. That, that could be, there you go. could be. Or doing train announcements. Could be. I stand up Leaving the crowd. from platform yeah, tree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you and Tristan McManus. Um, let's give you some news of the Aussies abroad. So interested in your take, Roy, on Nick D'Agostino, who, of course, has moved to Danish side Viking after netting 37 goals in 37 games for victory. Is that a good move for him?
6: Uh, I think he's getting... He will feel he's getting out of victory at the right time. They're having a bit of a poor season. Um I think he was better last year. His first season at victory, I thought he was terrific. He was scoring goals regularly. He looked mm. a real threat. Uh, he, obviously, he scored that worldly goal a couple of weeks ago. Terrific. but other, satellite. Yeah. yeah, but he's he's had a pretty quiet season. So he's he's timed that one just right, I would, I would imagine. Um, but again, it just frees up that spot now for four in a row. He, obviously, that's the number one pick for Popovich moving forward. He wants to go with that experienced striker and... Uh, yeah, good on him. I hope he goes well. I think it's a solid league as well, a Danish league. Mm. And it's a, it's, a, it's a good opportunity for to get more rose caps.
4: Yeah, it's uh, a good stepping stone. Um, the Scottish Daily Record is reporting that Motherwell have agreed terms with Riku, Riku Danzaki to move mm. to Fir Park. Of course, he's been on loan uh, to Brisbane Raw from Contador Sapporo, who are his parent club in Japan. Uh, another Raw midfielder, bit younger. Sam Klein reportedly on trial with Norwegian second division side Mjom uh is originally from Gympie is Sam Klein made one senior appearance for the Raw. Uh, in other transfer news, former Victory Adelaide and Socceroo not that he's a former Socceroo James Jago has signed for Hibs from uh, Eupen in Belgium he made his debut in the loss to local rivals Hearts and the Scottish Cup, for whom Cammy Devling, Kai Rolls, Nathaniel Atkinson all featured. Garan Quall, an unused sub for Hearts, and Lewis Miller likewise for Hibs. It's becoming a bit of an Aussie enclave, yeah. isn't it, Edinburgh?
6: It's a mini A-League, isn't it? They're all well known to us, uh, but it's great to see, and they're doing well as well. I spoke earlier about marketing. Hib, Hibs are struggling a little bit, but... Uh, hearts are flying you know they're, yeah. the, they're kind of outside Celtic and Rangers they're the, the top team like you know
4: nice little segue talking of Celtic Aaron Moy scoring twice in a 5-0 win for Celtic against Greenock Morton in the Scottish Cup Dundee United's Aziz Bayic also scored opening the scoring in their 3-0 uh, victory over Stirling University uh, elsewhere in Europe Matt Ryan debuting for AZ Alkmaar as they beat Fortuna Sittard 3-1 on Monday Uh, And uh, some less good news, I guess you could call it, Aidan Rustic underwent ligament reconstruction surgery this week in London. Uh, He sustained the injury in October, you might remember, last year against AC Milan playing for Hellas Verona, uh, an injury that limited his impact at the World Cup in Qatar. We wish uh, Aidan uh, the very quickest of recoveries. A uh, quick round-up of the action in the other big European leagues. In Spain, the top two both won. Barcelona edging Hatafe, one 1-0 thanks to a goal from Pedri, which uh, maintains their three-point lead over Real Madrid, who eased to a 2-0 victory over Athletic Bilbao thanks to Tony Kroos and Karim Benzema. Uh, in Italy, Napoli, a 12 points clear top Serie A after a win on the road to Salonitana. Giovanni Di Lorenzo and Victor Ossimans, 13th goal of the season, enough for a 2-0 win. Uh, elsewhere, Empoli shocked Inter at the San Siro, winning 1-0. Second-placed AC Milan are in action a little later today, away to Lazio. Uh, in France, the Coupe de France took centre stage. No major shocks in the round of 32, with uh, Paris Saint-Germain sticking seven past six-tier Pays de Cassel. Kylian Mbappé helped himself to five of them. That would have been a big payday, wouldn't it, for Pays de Cassel Because they were at home. Fancy having Mbappé and Neymar coming to your little home grounds.
3: Some okay. of the players for the opposition team are PSG Ultras. Is that right? So they're, they're, they're <laughs> PSG big, massive fans, and they're like they're saying to the newspapers, what do I do with this wrong goal? What do I do? Do I take out Mbappe and risk injury? Of course not, no.
4: What a great story. Uh, Anyway, Kylian Mbappe had a rare old time scoring five. He probably got congratulated by some of the defenders if they're PSG fans. Uh, It's as you were in Portugal with Benfica maintaining their three-point lead at the top after winning 3-0 at Santa Clara. Second place sporting Braga kept up the chase, but they needed a 90th minute winner from Simon Banza to edge out Pacos de Ferreira by two goals to one. Uh, and in Holland, the Klassica ended one all between Feyenoord and Ajax. Davy Klassen's late equaliser earning Ajax a point after Igor Paishau had given the Rotterdamers the lead at De Kuip. Azad Alkmaar, as mentioned, closed the gap on Feyenoord to two points at the top. They beat Fortuna Sittard by three goals to one with Matty Ryan making his debut between the posts. Good to see Matty back in action in first team football. Uh, We're going to wrap things up with Football Asia after this short break, and uh, we'll name our two winners as well before we go off air at 11 o'clock of the T-shirt and the ticket. Stay with us. It's time for Football Asia with Paul Williams. Yes, we round out the show as usual with Football Asia alongside Paul Williams of the Asian Game Podcast. Evening, Paolo. Simon, Roy, how you going, guys? Very good. Very good. Uh, good to have you on the show again. Uh, let's start with the Gulf Cup. When we spoke last week, we were looking ahead to the final uh, between Iraq and Oman. And uh, the hosts won it quite dramatically, an extra time. I've watched the little clip that you put on your... Uh, your Twitter page, amazing last few minutes. Uh, and you did hint last week that this, if they want it, this might be the start of a glorious new era for the Lions of Mesopotamia.
2: Yeah, you never want to go too early with Iraq, though, do you? Because <laughs> they've had so many false dawns in the past that it's kind of like once bitten, twice shy. But it, all the signs under their new coach, Jesus Kassas, they look promising so far. They did it in what could only be described as true Iraqi style. Nothing ever comes... Easy. They they uh, scored a penalty, and I think it was the one hundred seventeenth, one hundred eighteenth minute, deep into extra time, that they thought was going to win the game. Oman equalized about sixty seconds later, that shattered the entire stadium, and then yeah, pretty much straight from kickoff, earned a free kick and scored in the one hundred twenty first minute to uh, to win three two. What it has done, and and we hope that it does, you know, bring about a resurgence in Iraqi football. But what it's done at least is bring some positivity back to iraqi football because too often football in iraq has been mired by political infighting there's a never-ending sense of doom that seems to hang over the game so to see so much joy surrounding the game now is hugely positive as we approach the next world cup cycle that begins uh, later this year And, and one good thing that's that's come from it the the fa president basically put out a plea to the prime minister of iraq to build them a national training center Um, and he's responded to that to say he will do that he'll follow through and we'll build them now a national training center so let's hope that happens of course you know in iraq with politics and it could, could anything could happen with with that but um it would be fantastic if if on the back of this golf cup success they can to be a rejuvenation in Iraqi football because with eight spots open for the next World Cup, why can't Iraq be one of those
4: teams? Absolutely. Can't bring that minister over here, can you? Get us a couple of stadiums. That'd be nice. (laughs) Um, Sadly, talking of stadiums, we do have to talk about um, uh, the other side of it. There was, tragically, a stampede at the stadium as ticketless fans Mm. tried to get in for that final. Uh, Reports of up to four people having been killed uh, we we spoke last week about Iraq's hopes of of hosting World Cup qualifiers again on home soil. I guess this is not going to do them any favors, is it? It's certainly not going to help. No, it was it did unfortunately
2: overshadow the match a, a, a bit for not just for me but for a lot of people. It should have been a landmark day for Iraqi football. It was a beautiful day in Basra, clear blue skies. But yeah, you're right. There was up to reports of up to two hundred and fifty thousand fans descended on the stadium that holds 65,000 people. So it was a recipe for disaster. As you said, unfortunately, I think four people lost their lives, up to 80 people injured. I'm not entirely sure whether the game should have gone ahead in those circumstances when you've had fans killed outside beforehand. I thought they probably should have postponed the game, but perhaps they thought that might cause even more issues with the fans that were already inside the stadium. But it did go ahead, but... It's still something that we see too much of in football. Just in the last year, uh, we've, we saw the the crush at, in Cameroon at the African Cup of Nations last year. There was the one in Indonesia a few months ago as well, this one in Iraq, and, of course, there were the scenes in Paris with the, the Champions League final. Now, it happens far too often still in football. I don't understand why this is still happening, and more needs to be done with the authorities to stop fans from dying when they go to football matches because – no fan should go to a football match and not return home. Absolutely.
6: Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Um, Paul, a young man by the name of Cristiano Ronaldo made his debut for Al Nasir in the Saudi pro league, a one nil win over Al Etifak. How did hmm. he go? Um, is it, the
2: best way I've seen it described was uh, a, a Journalist friend of mine, John McCauley, wrote in the national that the performance didn't quite match the pageantry, but still it felt mm-hmm. enough. It wasn't a vintage Ronaldo performance, but there was still enough in there to suggest that um, you know, he's gonna do very, very well there for, for Al Nasser. Etifax sat Etifax sat very deep um in in that game and sort of frustrated Al Nasser a, a little bit. But there's great potential in the Talisca Cristiano Ronaldo partnership. Up front they already seem you look at all the photos that Al Nassr share on social media and those two already seem to have formed a, a pretty close bond so there's great potential uh, in that partnership their next match is that the semi-final of the uh, the Saudi Super Cup against Al Ittihad um which should be a, a fantastic occasion because there's a great three-way battle for the title going on and I think that's going to be really interesting because you know the the eyes of the world are now on the Saudi pro league. And there's a three way battle between the three biggest teams in Saudi Arabia, Al Nasser, Al Hilal, and, uh, and Al Itihad right at the the top of the table. So you've got the biggest clubs in Saudi Arabia, hopefully putting on a fantastic title race when the the eyes of the world are on it. So can they now capitalize on that boom that uh, perhaps China didn't a few
4: years ago? Well, this is clearly part of a bigger plan, isn't it? For Saudi Arabia. Uh, mm. Strong rumours that they want to bid for the World Cup in 2030. Um, quite how that goes, given that Qatar's only hosted it in 2022. I don't know. Uh, but I see this week they've made an interesting appointment as well. The executive president of the Saudi Pro League as of this week is one Gary Cook, who I remember from being the CEO at Manchester City when the Emirati takeover happened. So uh, I, I guess part of his brief is to further... Uh, expands the, the footprint of, of Saudi football and particularly this league across the region and the world.
5: Mm.
2: And and you read the quotes that, that came out attached to that press release announcing um his his appointment and is all about their sort of their international ambition and and growing the profile, growing the stature of the league, growing the professionalism of the league too, and helping it really um develop as a uh, as a league. And and what I've been told is there's been a little bit of a, a recruiting blitz going on at the Saudi Pro League as they really tried to build their profile and their and their capability. With what I'm told is a lot of foreigners coming in with with global expertise um, rather than just hiring um, you know local Saudis. So they're they're clearly trying to to tap into to something and, and really grow the the profile of of their leg Gary Cook's a really interesting appointment. You. Obviously, be quite familiar with him from his time at Man City. So, be interested in in your opinion, your view as to whether you know you think he's a good a good appointment and, and what he could do for Saudi football.
4: Well, I guess it depends if he's if he's learned his lesson. Of course, he lost his job at Manchester City for some rather let's call them loose emails that were made public. <laughs> um, he's he's a bit of a loose cannon, but I mean, there's no doubt that he's a very smart businessman, and uh, you know, he was the guy who sort of saw through the City Football Group takeover and was seemingly set to be there for years before those emails emerged, uh, a long time ago now. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting to see his, his name pop up. Uh, Roy, you got a question. Roy, you should have gone to Saudi. Never mind going to I Brunei. Know. You missed, your t- missed a trick. You should have uh, gone to Saudi, mate. The timing. The
6: timing is terrible. Uh, but <laughs> and like, some shekels. But, you know, I, definitely. I would have <laughs> taken a few as well. Could do it a few. Uh, but, but Ronaldo, I must say, is it enough, though? Like You're talking about uh, Gary Cook and Ronaldo. If Ronaldo was on Piers Morgan talking about standards and levels and Man United not being good enough,
7: yeah, well, like
6: next month, all this money he's going to get, next month if he's not happy and he pulls out a Saudi Pro League, how does that look? You know
4: what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, there is that. And there's no doubt he's... Probably been made to look a bit of a goose because of those comments, but uh, I, I still hear this little rumour that if Newcastle qualify for the Champions League, he'll be allowed to go on loan there. Which is—it'd be so interesting if Eddie that Ho-wells was wasn't having that, the though, was way. Like, <laughs> no, he said no. Yeah. But, yeah, you never know, do you? Yeah. Uh, seven saying, ballon Dors and Eddie Howe would say no. You know what well, really? Eddie Howe can say no all he likes, but yeah. if his Saudi bosses say you're of it. That is him, a great point, yeah. ...then yeah. Yeah.
6: that'll be the end of oh, it. Gary Cook sent an email. Yeah, exactly.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gone, you got a question about the Indian Super League, Roy?
6: Yeah, I do. Look, I mean, I suppose, Paul, the big one for me would be obviously Des Buckingham is doing very well at Mumbai City, but, you know, mm. Dimi Petrados has he rekindled his form from Australia? We've got... Uh, Joseph Gombo, another another guy who done f- terrific at Adelaide uh, and he's brought Osama Malik there. Um, how's mm-hmm. their form? Are they, are they kind of rekindling that form that they showed in the A-League all those years ago?
2: Dimi certainly is with, with Mohan Bagan there in the playoff race at the moment. They play o- Odisha, who um, Joseph Gombo uh, coaches this weekend in what's a pretty important game because there's only a couple of points that separate the two teams—they're kind of battling in the sort of the the bottom half of that top six as they try to get into um, to uh, to the playoff positions. Dimmy's scored five goals in in thirteen games this season. He's got Brendan Hamill there alongside him at Mohun Bagan, oh, yeah. as you said. Yosip Gombao and uh, and Osama Malik at Odisha as well. But it's hard to see anyone catching Mumbai City this season. They won the league two seasons ago. They started the league last season like a house on fire. Then. Faded badly and missed the finals, but they're 15 games unbeaten this season. They're averaging three goals a game. They look unstoppable at the moment. And there's a great Australian connection there outside of Des Buckingham because of course, Roston Griffiths is there as well. So um, great to see some Aussies still
4: flying the flag in India. So fascinating, isn't it? A few years ago, we all thought it was going to be China that was going to be the emerging power out of Asia. And instead, it could well be Saudi Arabia and India, because we talked last week about their 100-year plan as well. And, of course, they've got the population, and no doubt they've got the money to invest in it as well. Uh, Before we finish, Paolo, a quick word on what's going on in Thailand. Uh, Buriram, uh, they're unbeaten after 16 games. Looks like they're going to win the championship. Uh, and talking of Aussies overseas, how's Matt Smith, formerly a Brisbane Raw, going as head coach of BG Putum United? Mm, it's been a bit of
2: a rough start to life for him in um, in Bangkok. They've he's only won two of his first five. They've dropped now down to seventh. On the table, which is a far cry from where they were probably 12 to 18 months ago, when they looked like they were going to become the dominant force um, in Thai football and overtake Buriram. Given the recruitment that they had done, they'd won the title, they'd strengthened again, and they looked like. We saw what they did in the Champions League in in Melbourne City's group last year as well. But they've kind of fallen off the pace a little bit this season. But a little bit like it is in India, it's hard to see anyone toppling Ram as I said, undefeated after 16. They're already nine points clear of second place uh, Chomburis, which is um, hard to see anyone closing down that, that gap in the at the back half of the season.
4: Great stuff, Paolo. We'll have to leave it there. The clock's beating us, but uh, brilliant stuff as ever. And uh, we'll talk to you next week on Football Asia. Cheers, guys. That's uh, Paul Williams of the Asian Game podcast.